when I first saw the He Gets Us commercial, I didn't like it. I didn't understand the motive. I didn't understand the why. I was like, what, what is this? Why are you spending all this money? Was this good stewardship? Was this effective? What's their goal? Well, has anybody checked? I have. Their goal is to This is The Deep End with LaCroix. What you know is true Don't have to tell you I love your precious heart I I was standing You were there Two worlds He gets us. That is one of a handful of Super Bowl commercials that the He Gets Us campaign participated in. And there was such an uproar about the He Gets Us campaign. You know, this most recent commercial shows people's feet getting washed. And I, I have some thoughts on it. I want to say this. When I first saw the He Gets Us commercial, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And I think I didn't like it because I didn't understand the motive. I didn't understand the why. And oftentimes the why is the reason why we are frustrated with things. Oftentimes the why is the reason behind our frustration. And I, I didn't get their why. I was like, what, what is this? Why are you spending all this money? I remember even hearing about it. Like someone brought to me the idea that someone was going to spend a lot of money for a Super Bowl commercial advertising Jesus. And I had a lot of thoughts, a ton of them. And, and they were not positive. You know, I, I questioned, was this good stewardship? Was this effective? And... The, the funny thing about it was the, that second idea, was this effective? That question in and of itself assumes I know their why, right? Like, was this effective? Because if you're trying to do what I believe you're trying to do, I don't think this is effective. But I don't know what they're trying to do. I'm just assuming. And the reason why I'm doing that is because we have been so culturally conditioned in the Western Christian kind of world as to what anything pertaining to Jesus is supposed to do, that if it doesn't meet that end, we think it's a waste. We have been culturally conditioned to think that Christianity is all about sealing the deal. It's, it's, it's like, this is a marketing campaign, and by the end of it, it should seal the deal, and somebody should be a Christian, a born-again follower of Christ. And if you, if you didn't do that effectively, you didn't seal the deal. That kind of thought process 
leaves about 0.0 room for the spirit of God, right? Like it's, it's all about our pragmatism. It's all about how effective we think we are. And, you know, that's how we function in society. That's how brand deals work. It's like, did I seal the deal? Did I do a good enough branding job to make someone buy the product? We're functioning like salesmen and not servants. And if the goal of He Gets Us campaign is to seal the deal, you're gonna find yourself frustrated. Because for us, it's not painting the picture. This can get into a whole nother, deeper, longer conversation about what the gospel is, right? Because a lot of us would say it did not paint a picture of the gospel, and so it didn't seal the deal. Um, but I, I think back to the rich young ruler and him asking Jesus, like, hey, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus didn't give him Romans Road. And so there's context. All right, so... This thing right here is an album. I know it. you may not know what an album is. It's like a thing that plays records. A record, in order to listen to it, you have to flip it over to hear both sides of it. Now, generally, the A side of the record is all the commercial hits, all the stuff that everybody knows. The B side is like the deep cuts, the stuff that most people don't get to hear, the stuff that's like, whoa. I wanted to be successful to escape dysfunction. Mm. So so when I'm talking to somebody, I'm coming as the most authentic form of myself as possible. Now, I ain't for everybody, which is why God has so many disciples, because everybody ain't for everybody. There's a B-side to our worlds, to our lives, that most people don't get access to, that most people don't talk about, but we want to do that. And that's what the B-side app is. The B-side is a safe place to talk about the things that, you know, are on the other side of the record. Download the app and join the family. See you on the B-side. There's context for us understanding where people are and what aspect of this truth of God, of his kingdom, they need to hear. I'm a big firm believer in the gospel of the kingdom because Jesus comes and he says the kingdom of God is at hand. I think Paul knew he was who he was talking to and he articulates some specifics. I think Peter knew who he was talking to. He articulates certain specifics. There's always a context, right? Because I wouldn't want to get to this commercial, so so stay with me. I'm going to get to to what I saw in this. I remember I didn't grow up in church, right? So I, I went a few times. My grandmother had church on the patio, but I was a kid. I didn't quite understand what was going on. I never went to a church that catered or spoke to me specifically. And at 17 years old, I was going through a lot of problems. I had like pregnancy scare, STD stuff, some drama with some people. Somebody shot out, came and shot at my house. A lot of crazy stuff going on. So I wandered into a church because I was like, I need God. Right? So I wandered into this church. And this woman comes up to me and she says, you know, sweetheart, are you saved? I had no idea what she was talking about. First of all, I stood out like a cheeseburger at Chick-fil-A. You know, it was clearly I was, I did not belong. I didn't come dressed up. I looked different. So she approached me instantly just based off my look and was and assumed I didn't know Jesus. She was right. I didn't. But she said, are you saved? What the heck does that mean, lady? Like, what is that? And that language us like assumed I had context. And oftentimes that's what we do. We assume that there's cultural context for the things that are being presented. 
And you're like, well, that didn't say everything that needed to be said. Well, who are they speaking to? They didn't say what Paul said in Romans. Well, who was Paul speaking to? Why? Jesus says something completely different when a man says, what must I do to gain eternal life? He says something way different than what Paul says in Romans. Those are two different people, two different worlds, two different backgrounds. You got a group of Romans who are coming from a secular society who need a whole different breakdown of truth. And then you have this Jewish expert in the law, in a sense, like he knows all of these things. And so Jesus is telling him the one thing he doesn't know. He's like, I kept all these things. I know all this. And so Jesus comes from a different angle. So I'm in this church and she says, are you saved? I had no idea what she meant. I, I, like, I was like, I don't know what you mean, but I've heard this lingo somewhere. So my brain thought maybe she means, am I like mature? Because that's what I thought. Like, okay, saved people are mature and my grandma eats peppermints and listens to talk radio. So that's what saved. That's literally what my brain thought. Like, Peppermints and talk radio and eating fiber for breakfast was saved to me. So I said, oh, no. And I said it with like disdain, like, oh, no. You know, and the look of horror on her face, she was like, oh, well, I just want to pray for you that you will be saved. God bless her. Her heart was in the right place. She missed the context, like missed it. That was that that was an opportunity to, hey, what are you doing here? What brings you in? What do you think about church? What do you think about, right? Painting a picture for me based off of my own presuppositions and assumptions, which brings me to this video. What's their goal? Well, has anybody checked? I have. Um, their goal is not to articulate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's not their goal. Their goal is to change the way the culture perceives both Christ and his followers. Because there's cultural Christianity. The, the Christianity of the land does not match the Bible. And so what they're trying to do is say, hey, this, what you're used to does not match the land. They're not talking to the people who go to church every Sunday who are churched and cultured. They're literally talking to the people who want nothing to do with anything that has anything to do with Jesus, his followers, the culture of it. And they're, they're portraying things in a whole different vantage point so that people who are way outside the faith can look in and say, that's a unique perspective. Like, wait a minute, that's not that's not the Jesus that I've come to hear about. That's not the Jesus that I would, I'm familiar with. And so when I see them washing feet, if you are someone who understands the cultural context of the scriptures, you understand that washing feet was like a, it was the lowest form of servitude, right? It's like, it's just nasty. People been walking all day long in sandals, stepping in manure and in the ancient Near East. And so like you are, the servant's job is to wash the feet. And for Christ who created us, who is the, the savior of society, who is in a position of authority to condescend, become a human being, and then wash feet is crazy. And the picture they're painting there is that, hey, we should be condescending. 
we should not not in a negative way. We should be serving people whose society would deem as less than or lower than or intolerable. So if you see the people in the video, you see a Muslim family getting their foot washed by, you know, the all-American family. We see the, the big one with the clergyman washing the foot of someone in the LGBTQ community because they're supposed to be diametrically opposed. But why Why can you not serve people in the LGBTQ community? Like, why would you not do that if you want them to see a picture of the love of Christ? Like, you ministry's where your feet are. It's not a vocation. The word ministry means to serve. You are showing the world what it looks like to love Jesus when you serve. So the picture they're painting there is that the Jesus of the scriptures was a servant and his followers are servants. His followers are not judgmental stone throwers. His followers may not condone your lifestyle, but they don't condemn you for your lifestyle. There's a difference. So that's what I see when I see the commercial. I see the first pictures looks like ageism. You know, it's like the young guy who people would assume like, oh man, I'm better than you washing the feet of a dad. The second picture I see is the police officer washing the feet of a young uh, African-American man. I, I mean, you see the all-American school girl and then like the punk rock girl who probably gets picked on for being different or hair short. She's washing her feet because she's not the most popular girl in school, but the popular girl is condescending. And this is a picture. You, you see the, you know, what looks like an old cowboy washing a Native American's feet. Like this is just a picture of people being advocates, people with power saying, hey, I'm an advocate for you. I'm not using my power to serve myself, but I'm using it to serve others. That's following Christ. Christ had power. He condescended, came to earth in the flesh and put aside, like the idea of him being incarnate means he's putting aside his heavenly, godly capabilities. A lot of times we we, we use the excuse, well, he was Jesus. No, he was what we call the hypostatic mixture in theological circles, he was 100% God, 100% man. But he, you know, the scripture says that he put aside his God card. It's like he had an all access, he had a black card and he kept it in his wallet and he just depended on the spirit so as to show us that we need to do the same. He could have pulled his black card out at any point in time and said, yo, I'm just going to do this. Angels, shoot some fire on these jokers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he didn't. He said, I'm going to depend on the spirit to, to do what, to show you what it looks like to depend on the spirit. And by the time it was done, the disciples are dependent on the spirit. Peter's shadow's healing people. You know, it's not like it was because he was God that he had this innate ability to be more loving and more kind. It was because he was depending on the spirit as we should today. And the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Like that's what we're to do. And so we're serving people. That's 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 the Christ of the scriptures. There's some comments, and I want to look at some of these comments that people have. First comment I see here is cool. 
Now show the one when Jesus storms into the temple with a makeshift whip and chases out the money changers. Uh, okay. I mean, what does that do for people outside of the Christian context? What does that do for people who don't think Jesus is a loving person? What does that do for people who see Jesus as a condemner and a hater of humanity? Like, how does that help the narrative for them? This story is not a tool to use against people who are blind and deceived by the enemy. This story is, is directed at the religious community who were taking advantage of the little people, people who really were hurting, going through pain and saying, I need to come to the temple and, you know, worship God, but I don't have the funds to be able to do it, or I don't have the means to. And so these people would sit at the gate as money changers and, and say, oh, well, you know what, in order to, to, to give the proper offering to the Lord, it has to be this form of currency, but it's going to be a cost to exchange the currency. The, the exchange rate goes up astronomically. Why? Because the religious community wanted to fill their own pockets and take advantage of people who didn't have, right? Like they, they would do similar things with animals that needed to be sacrificed. Well, you don't have an unblemished goat, so you have to buy one here. And then they, they jack up the price for people who want to honestly come serve the Lord. There are probably some people hurting at home, going through pain, you know, loss, struggling and like, man, I just want to love God and go make my sacrifice to the Lord because it's hard here. And then they get to the temple and then you got these religious gatekeepers taking advantage of these folks, making these people hate the religious community, making these people have, you know, giving bad, bad PR to God. And so Jesus is like, man, put a millstone on your neck and jump in the lake. Like you making these these folks turn away. You're manip you grew up, you made it to be a rabbi. You grew up on this truth. Like you've known this since you were an itty bitty child. You went on to the Mishnah. You went on to become a full on teacher of the law and you're twisting it to take money from these little people. Yes, crack the whip. But that's not the, that's not the same thing as the young person who feels like an outcast, who feels like there's no hope. And the last resort for them is the religious community because they're like, ah, those people are just judgmental. That's who you want to show a picture of Jesus cracking a whip because that's going to get them. Let's scare them into loving God. Like I got kids, I got three kids and my kids have done some stuff that was very disappointing. And I remember being very upset with my oldest son because he just made some some decisions that I felt like were disappointing. And there have been times where I just went off on him, just berated him and just lost my cool. Those were not the times when we bonded more. Those were not the times when he felt like, yeah, dad, you're right. I deserve to be yelled at and belittled and demeaned. That's, that's not what happened. What happened is probably more disdain, more father wounds, more trauma. 
because he made a bad decision and his dad flipped out on him. What, what happened is he probably begins to think, well, maybe this is how God responds to my sin. Maybe God flips out on me and, and yells at me when I mess up. But there's been other times and I'm walking in the spirit and I'm disturbed and disappointed at his actions, but I take the time to express to him, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more or love you less. I'm disappointed. There will be a disciplinary action, but this discipline is not to embarrass you. It's, it's to protect you from making a decision like this again. It, I can remember two instances, one specific, he broke in tears because he, he felt loved and cared for and he wanted prayer. Another situation, he says, man, dad, I actually prayed that God would help me in this area and this is the evidence of it. Y'all, you don't win anybody by beating them down, telling them how horrible of a person they are. You approach them in love, care. It's okay to tell people the truth. Hey, this is this is no bueno. This has consequences. But God is not sitting in the sky just raging at us, trying to throw fire at us every time we make a wrong turn or do something terrible. If you're living a life like that, I, I can understand why you wouldn't want to turn to this God. Let's look at another comment. Jesus ate with sinners, but didn't condone their activity either. Jesus is meant to change the sinner, not sinners change who Jesus is. I mean, I I can I don't see anything wrong with that, but I think the problem is we're assuming that the action in the video is condoning. Like, when did it become condoning sin to serve people who are walking in sin? Like when did that become condoning? I don't understand that. So, so what you're telling me is that when I do prison ministry, I'm condoning the crimes they've committed. When I go in there and proverbially wash their feet, smile, shake hands, play basketball, do a word, help them send gifts to their kids, what I'm doing is condoning their action. That's what this is saying to me, that I am excusing the fact that they have committed crimes against humanity and are paying a price for it in prison. I'm excusing that in order to serve them and love them by this logic. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. What you're saying is that the thief on the cross before Jesus said, no, today you'll be with me in paradise. He should have said, but I also want you to know, thief. I don't rock what you stealing, bro. You need to cut that out. That's why you up here right now, just so you know. What? No. The what? It's a difference if I'm like, I'm telling the person, I'm paying for the abortion. I'm, you know, buying the drugs for them, right? Like that's a different situation. But that's not what we're talking about, people. We're talking about washing feet, which is the, the, the message is service. Like, what are we talking about? We're talking about serving people. The reason why they're walking in darkness is because they're broken. So they need healing. The healing comes from the spirit of God and trusting in Jesus. That healing doesn't happen if you just contribute to the brokenness they're already experiencing. And I've seen this over and over again. I've seen people who have literally seen me treat them so kind, it threw them off guard. Like, what are you doing? 
because they're so used to experiencing brokenness and and poor treatment. I've seen people who did not expect me as a follower of Christ to be loving toward them. It's because we created this this duality, this this judgment zone. We created that so they feel like that's the way they're supposed to function. I could go on and on on that one, but I, I, I digress. Let's look at this last comment. Let's check this one out. Feed the hungry or spend $14 million on a Super Bowl ad. Choices, choices. Listen, again, if I had $14 million, would I spend it on a Super Bowl ad? I wouldn't, but that's because that doesn't align with the goal that I'm trying to accomplish. But did I spend a million dollars on the Anomaly Tour? I did. I spent a million dollars on that tour and made like 10000 <laughs> So basically, I spent $999,000 on the Anomaly Tour. Was that Could I have fed the hungry? I absolutely could. And, and I don't mind. And I, and I do. And maybe he gets us feeds the hungry as well. But the goal for that Anomaly Tour was to paint a picture of Christ through music, of my relationship with God through music, to inspire people to see him in a completely different way. I went out and saw Kanye West spend $4 million uh, a night <laughs> on his Yeezus tour. And I said, man, this man is spending this much money trying to wrestle with what he believes his faith is. I can spend this money on what I know to be true about God, on what I know to be true about Jesus. And so someone could easily have condemned me, but they came to that concert. I mean, yeah, they didn't have to spend the money on the ticket, but they did. You could have fed the hungry with the ticket. The person who just typed that, you're on YouTube. You're paying a monthly bill. That money could be going to the hungry. Why aren't you using that money to feed them? How come it's only when it's an astronomical amount that it, it it's not being stewarded well? Because the, the scripture that I know says that some people get one, some people get five, some people get 10, but you got to steward it all well. So if God gave you $80 a month for your Wi-Fi service and your, your, your cell phone bill, you don't need that. You, know, you, you can do other ways. There's other ways to function, but that's we're not here for that. There's going to like the people who have $14 million, maybe they have $2 billion. And maybe they spent $20 million on whole other situations that we don't even know about. Again, the point I'm making is we're doing so much assuming and we're also making their mission our mission. Their calling our calling. We all have different roles in society and different ways to function as far as kingdom representatives. And so, you know... When the 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 lady broke the alabaster over Jesus's feet with the perfume, they got mad. You wasting money, but she was Jesus. Like this is her form of worship, and I'm not gonna be with her long, right? Someone is burdened to get this alternative message of Christ out to the public, and they're like, "Yo, where are the most eyeballs gonna be?" Super Bowl. Well, if people can spend twenty million dollars to sell beer. What are we doing? Well, we want to be in that space to tell a different story, a different narrative of Jesus. And I, I, I just, I don't have a problem with that, 
right? I wouldn't do it, but I'm also not in their position and I don't have the same mission and burden that they have. So we do have to just get the plank out of our own eye a lot of times and really just look at ourselves and say, man, what's my motive? You know what I'm saying? And, and guess what? You might be right. You might be right. They may be wasting money. You might absolutely be right. But that's God's going to have to deal with them on their stewardship. It's not your job. You don't even know these people. You have no like contact community with these folks whatsoever. You're not a part of the same church. Hopefully that's their pastors having this conversation with them. Right? All that to say, we have to do a better job of supporting one another and not doing so much infighting. We have to do a better job of not throwing each other away. We all make bad decisions. We all do dumb stuff. I've had friends call me out and lovingly correct me and and, re, and rebuke me and challenge me. Um, you know, uh, shout out to my sisters, Kim and E, Christina Edmondson, Austin Channing. You know, I blundered the ball in the past. And those sisters, boy, they got on the phone and they set me straight. But those are my friends, my sisters who I know love me. They're not strangers just telling me random things about myself. They're speaking into my life and helping me to adjust where I'm off. That's what that's what friends, community, family does. We don't throw stones at each other. We don't beat each other up. We lovingly, like I, like I did my son on the good times, <laughs> say, hey, come here, man. I love you and I want God's best for you. So we need to make some adjustments. What if that was how we functioned? What if that's how we lived our lives as people who could say, I love you. There's some ways that I think you can do, do this better. And I want to help you walk through that. How much different would it be? What if we were not sitting here throwing stones at people who walk blindly, but we were there with open arms saying, let me show you where to sit. Right. How much different would things look? I'm just a big fan. And I, I tell the story often because it, it changed my life. Literally. I'm a big fan of Peter in the scriptures. Peter was very zealous. He was like a lot of these YouTube warriors, <laughs> extremely zealous, but, but just off. He didn't even know his own blunders. Jesus was like, hey, I just want you to know you're going to deny me. Oh, I'll never deny you. I'm, you know my, I'm uh, Jesus Warrior 242 on YouTube, and I would never <laughs> go against you. And he's just a bumbling zealot. And God was so patient with this man. When it came to arrest Jesus, he didn't even know how to swing a sword straight. No one tries to chop off an ear, y'all. He's aiming for the neck. He's trying to cut off a head. He is just zeal and no accuracy. Messes up, hits an ear. Jesus is like, yo, Peter, come on, bro. He heals the man's ear who's coming to arrest Jesus. Peter still, he just he doesn't get it. I don't, I don't get it. So now he's disenchanted with his picture of Christianity, or let me not say Christianity, his picture of following the Messiah, 
just doesn't. What? How did you get arrested? You let yourself get arrested. Like, I thought you were coming to, we said, Hosanna. We're waiting for you to be our champion and to defeat Rome. And what are you doing? I don't know what's happening. Then they come and say, yo, yeah, yeah, weren't you with Jesus? And he says, nah, I don't know the man. I'm afraid. He gets to a place where he's just, he's low. I'm going to just go back. You know, and uh, he's sitting there and on the beach. And when Jesus resurrects and reappears to Peter, he says, do you love me? He's like, you know, I love you. Then feed my sheep. He did not belittle, berate, tell Peter he sucked. Why would you do this? He said, I love you. There was some correction that needed to happen, but I still want to use you. Go feed my sheep. Y'all, a lot of us out here still want to be used. And you're more than a keyboard warrior. There's more that God wants to do with you than just condemning people online, being mad at people for their Super Bowl commercial. Those folks who are making that are trying to do something. Do the same. Do the same. God bless.